This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Great to be together, and we've got another great show today. We'll talk with Ned Ryan, who's got a new book out. Ned Ryan is a, well, you, you'll see him on Tucker Carlson's show quite a bit. He's um, a well-known trainer of candidates and activists, American Majority is his organization, but he's got a new book about Bunker Hill. We'll talk with him. And we've got Mike Kacharski, Mike Kacharski of Chicago. Mike Kacharski of Chicago runs a trucking company in Chicago. We'll see what he has to say because he's been on Newsmax and other places. He's a regular guy, runs a business, 350 plus trucks. And he can tell you when gas goes up, things get crazy in terms of cost, in terms of how things work. And he's got a perspective that's really worth hearing, kind of an everyman Mike Kacharski of Chicago. So we'll talk with him today. But before we get to that, we have to talk to about the talk about the United States Marine Corps and the woke culture and the impact on it. Okay, so our starting point, let's say this, our starting point as human beings, if you're a human being, and most of you listening are, you know that you have certain at least you'd call them predilections. You might even call them prejudices. You may say, you know, I love the Dodgers. In, this, in the case of our, our great uh, producer Noah, you know, I love the Padres. I, I care about uh, this issue. I really like this food. I, and when you're brought up, you may be brought up in a religious community. You say, I'm a Christian or I'm an Orthodox Jew. And whether you call those things predilections, you call them biases, you call them prejudices, we have to be careful as we grow up and as we get older and more mature, that we learn how to, if there are things that are negative about something we do, our biases, making fun of someone for how they look, making some, uh, fe- making someone feel poorly because they have X disability or not, all things that kids grow through and you get better and better at making sure you're a good person. That's how I think we are. And I believe that everyone has, because I believe the nature of a human person is that we're fallen and that we have to get ourselves better in relationship to, uh, in, in the case of what I believe in the, the risen Christ. But whatever religion you take or your system you take, you have to, a fallen, broken, normal person has to get better and better. And you have to learn that. You have to have people in your lives that help you get better and better. You have to have systems in place that help you to be respectful and learn how to be better people. That's how I see it. So now, in certain places in our uh, culture, in the American culture specifically, we have certain traditions. And one of them would be the military. Uh, another would be our, um, our system of education. These are, you know, K through 12 is something that's been around 120 or 30 years. You can argue for how good or bad it is right now because of what they teach. But that's a system, you know, that we, we've developed in America. Uh, the way that we relate to our government. But return with me to about the military. In this case, the military has a unique role in America. We ask people to defend our country and put their lives in the line, but we also sort of agree that these are going to be really special um, uh, uh, systems of training. My brother, who was a Marine, who used to say when you sign up for the Marine Corps, you know, you, you check your First Amendment freedom of association at the door because you're a Marine. You don't get to associate where you want. You don't do stupid things. If you do them, you get tossed out. You certainly don't have your freedom of speech, for example. So, and, and that's because of the system. It's a specialized thing. So now comes the Marine Corps. And in the last year or so, the Marine Corps instituted a new rule about a year ago during the, during the last uh, year or so, last six months of the Trump administration. And the Marine Corps said, you know what? When it comes to promotions, we're not going to put the photograph of the people on because we want this to be, we want to eliminate the temptation 
of, of prejudice because people will sometimes look and say, oh, I, I, you know, that, that person, and again, this is something that's real. That person looks like me and subconsciously, I relate to them more easily. And you have to get better than that, right? You have to, this is one of the things about being growing up and being mature. So they take the photos away and the Marine Corps does that. And they say, you know, we're not going to have photos because it would be too easy for people to judge. And nowadays, certainly nowadays, you, you, you can't really tell a, a person by their name or their school or anything. You can't tell if they're black, white, orange, pink, whatever. You just can't tell. I mean, I think that's pretty close. Sometimes, I suppose sometimes if someone's name is, you know, a uh, very clearly uh, ethnic name, you know, Mohammed uh, something, you can say, well, likelihood, but you can't really tell. You can't really tell. So what happened in the, uh, I almost said the Obama administration, the Biden administration just recently said, we can't do that because the colorblind promotions boards that didn't look at the photographs, they decided, no, they have to look at the photographs so they can promote more people of color, of diversity. Now think about this. This is not um, the board of the local, um, you know, humane society. This isn't the um, local uh, promotions board for your school system. Uh, all these are important, by the way. I'm not saying they're not. This isn't the local uh, promotions board for the Little League Umpires Association. There's none of that, right? None of that. This is the United States Marine Corps where we expect that you get trained to run dramatically towards the bullets, and that the last thing you should be doing is picking people based on some sort of prejudice, This, in this case, in favor of something. I want to have a certain kind of diversity, a certain quota of diversity. That's just disastrous. And it's the same thing. And what happens is, and I, I talked to another Marine, not my brother in this case. I was texting him this story, which is running. I'll put it up on social media, uh, that the Marine Corps is now deciding to do this. And, and, the, and the response I had from this Marine I texted, he's retired Marine, I should say, not active duty, was he said, it's a little bit like, again, now you, we're getting into areas that, you know, you, people are going to be like, oh, really? This is, is this what you want to talk about? And the answer is yes, it is what we want to talk about. He, he texted me this. He said, the irony, tragedy is that the removed, they removed the pictures to ensure an equal playing field. And when the results of this came out, the minorities are less out of the promotable population. The quality spread is the same. So there you have it. Then, but he says, this is the same with removing male and female physical training standards. It used to be if you wanted to be a Marine and you were a boy, you had to take a certain test, physical standards, a girl, another t- a test. And um, when they went to the common standard, they had to do one of two things. They either had to realize that females would perform worse or they'd have to change the standard. And my point here is we are totally losing our minds in America thinking that it's appropriate for us to do this in every aspect of life. Again, teaching people to be more open to uh, people of other backgrounds, especially, by the way, socioeconomic, important when you're a father, as I am, you realize that it's important for your kids to see broadly what's happening in society, understand what it's like if you're blessed enough not to be in the lowest income and you have, a, a, you know, like in my case, a middle class, you see that there are people living in poverty or homelessness or under, understanding that there are biases built into us and how we handle that is really, really important. But the way we don't handle it is what the Marine Corps is doing. And it's insane that the Marine Corps is going, basically going back or going to a racist policy. You know, it used to be, again, it's like a Martin Luther King Jr. thing, right? It's, it's, I'm, I'm looking forward to the day when it's just the, 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 the content of my character or my kids' characters. 
not the color of their skin. And it's the opposite. And what you then teach people is it's not about the quality of the people and their character. It's only about skin color and divisions and all these hyphenated Americans. The hyphenated, if you hyphenate America, you diminish America. You see that? Hyphenating America is a subtraction sign and you're subtracting from America. You're splitting America when you hyphenate America and that it's happening to our military, especially frankly in the Marine Corps is just stunning and it's terrifying. And, you know, I'm not someone who is too glib or too quick on the, uh, when people will say, oh, look at what they're doing to, you know, to, if you, well, I love to watch Jesse Kelly, um, his, uh, both his TV commentaries, which air nightly, but also his, his Twitter feed, uh, because he does a radio show and he's just, he's just incredible on Twitter. He's really funny also. Uh, and he, and he was a Marine, but he will talk about, uh, how every institution you could picture, they're just, the com- the communists are gutting them. And I'm not so quick to say, I can see the communists gutting everything. Except in this case, what, what they're doing to, um, to weaken and transform our military is truly, truly terrible. It's, tr- it's really evil. I hate to get too dramatic. It's evil what they're doing. And the effect on America is not just to make us um, weaker if we ever have to have a you know, face-to-face battle, which inevitably we will in a military sense. It also just weakens our, our relationship to our institutions. It's a, just a terrible, terrible thing, and people should be aware of it. And there you have it. So check that out. I'll put up on social media. Uh, too bad for the Marine Corps, bad for America. And, you know, one of the things about this is it feels like the Biden administration and the people in power, Susan Rice and others out of the White House, this is the, this is the stuff they like, the junk they like. They, this is the kind of stuff they really like to do, and it's twisted. It's twisted. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back. We've got both Ned Ryan, and uh, we will also visit a little bit later with Mike Kucharski of Chicago. Zed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Be back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back, everybody. Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. And we're wrapping things up. That is some. That is an important guy right there. When you when you think about Larry Elder, and again, electelder.com is his website. It's important for what he's doing, just how he's impacting the whole conversation in the country. It is extraordinary. And, you know, this is what I was thinking about him as we're finishing up. When, when history is written, history is written by the participants. And then it's not written by the historians. It's written by people that get involved in whatever way they're called to, however you'd sort of put the thing together. And sometimes, you know, there's a um, coming up in a few weeks, uh, six or seven weeks, we have an event. And the, the, the tagline is local action, national impact. And, uh, and people are, you know, how do you get involved? Well, in Larry Elder's case, he stepped up and, uh, and got involved. And my, my, here's one of my point. I was looking um, over the last week at a book that's out, and the book is called um, Reagan Land. Reagan Land, and it's by a guy named Rick Perlstein. And what my 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 thought as I read this, the reviews of this book, I've read only excerpts of the book because I I did order it, but I haven't got it. It's called Reagan Land by Rick Perlstein. He's written a book on um, he's written a book on uh, Nixon. He's written a book on uh, Goldwater. He kind of writes political histories, especially around the eras in the '60s and '70s, and how the conservative movement started and what happened. He's kind of at a certain point with good authors, and you see this. Um, 
a sort of a recycling the topics around new uh, theories and new things. So the one on Goldwater was called Before the Storm, and it was how Goldwater really set the table for what happened o- over the years afterwards. And uh, and so in this case, the book is called Reagan Land, and um, it is about the right, he calls it the right turn from 1976 to 1980. And the reason I was, um, uh, I was interviewed for the book, I don't think I'm cited anywhere, but I was talking about Phyllis Schlafly and the role she played. Here's my point. History is being written by the people uh, who are right now participating. And in the old days, you'd have to rely on a Rick Perlstein to tell you what the narrative was. And that's a big, powerful thing. You know, one of the one of the listeners on this program has come back to me frequently and said, when you talk about the narrative machine, Ed, you talk about big tech, big media and big government working together to tell us what the truth is. And they're lying about it. And so one of our listeners will often say to me, what about big history? Meaning that there's a whole industry that goes about defining what happened on the terms they want it to be. So you heard Larry Elder in the interview talked about Obama, twice elected African-American man, and it ran the economy into the ground, and yet it's written that he was very competent, very capable, all kinds of things. And the point here is the history is being written by people who are against a lot of what we believe. And one of the powerful things about someone like Larry Elder running or even Trump running was the in, you, you're bringing into the public spe- sphere the issues. If you didn't hear Larry Elder, did you hear what he said? Larry Elder said the top two things he's going to do when he gets in office, top two, one is homelessness. And did you hear? He didn't take a mamby-pamby view. What happens a mamby-pamby view is a homelessness, this, homelessness, that. He said, no, we have to help these people by getting them off the streets. And if you have to do it by force, you have to do it by force because they're dying there. And then the second thing he said was school uh, schools are failing our kids. 75% of African-American black, he could, black boys can't read by the time they get to high school in California. And so changing the dynamic in this modern era is extraordinarily important and powerful, and it can be done. It can be done. And you see it with Larry Elder running. You see it with what Trump did. You see it with even the populist movements where we have this incredible um, uh, situation, incredible um, uh, movement over five years. Five years ago, and let's say seven years ago, seven years ago, I was just coming off the board of the Republican National Committee. I was chairman of, this, of the Missouri Republican Party at the time. And you could not, at the national level, have an opinion that was hardline on or against free trade, against immigration. You couldn't do it. There was only outliers. It was like Buchanan could talk about it. Phyllis Schlafly could talk about it. And then because of the last five years, and Trump was the leader of it, the Republican Party has shifted dramatically just on the issue of trade, just on the issue of uh, immigration, also on the issue of China. And those movements are, 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 are shifting, or not so that's a word, are passing through our culture so fast and so important that people are stepping up uh, to, to find those. And again, local action, national impact is the, is the phrase that's been used by a lot of people. And the point here is there's a, something about the um, media social media, the internet, that both makes us crazy, they're doing it all the time, but also gives us access, gives us an opportunity. If you want to, you can take the steps, you can find your school board member in five minutes online. You can find your uh, police chief or sheriff online, email address in five minutes. If you want to communicate your concern and, you know, I didn't even get into it with Larry Elder on the he, – he mentioned at the beginning Gavin Newsom was uh, the big mask mandate guy and big into all that stuff and then was, uh, you know, famously photographed out for dinner. But I got to tell you, if you look closely 
at that at the ability you you have to impact what's going on in your local community it's been increased by the power of technology if you know how to use it if you know how to use it that's the big if you've got to understand how to use it you got to understand how to communicate again one more footnote i'll drop on this and i'm not i, I don't know if i i got them run by uh noah uh, uh, at some point and others I'm not, i don't think we endorse candidates on the air i just love larry elder because what he taught me about being a father with his book on his dad it's incredible uh, but you can see when a guy like larry comes into this he's such a good communicator he's such a persuasive man it changes the whole dynamic it changes the whole dynamic in a positive way. It's amazing. So local action, national impact. All right, everybody, we got uh, to run. I want to say thank you, as always, to our producer, Noah, especially with the long Larry Elder interview, making that work. Joanna, for up, book, up and book our guests, and you for listening. Visit ProAmericaReport.com anytime to track what we're up to. We'll be right back. I'm Noah, we'll be back, back tomorrow. Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Talk to you then. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Our next guest, I've been looking forward to this. I got an inf- information on him. been looking forward to it for a while because this is a great question that can, he can answer. He's well positioned. Mike Kucharski is the uh, president. Uh, let me get it right. I'll make sure because I, I get in trouble with his colleagues. Yeah, he's the co-owner and vice president of an, or, of an entity called JKC Trucking based in Chicago. They've got, they literally have hundreds, over 350, just around 350 trucks, trailers that are out there delivering all the food you like, all the things all across the country. And so he has been all around. You might have seen him on Newsmax recently. And he's talking about, hey, when a gallon of gas goes up, this is what it does and how it affects everybody across the spectrum. And people need to understand that. So first of all, welcome, Mike Kucharski. How are you? Thank you for having me on your show. I'm well. How are you? I'm doing great. Now, you're based in Chicago. Does anybody say Kucharski, Mike Kucharski, and then they say, I remember those, uh, was it Bill Swirsky, the Saturday Night Live uh, Chicago Bears fans? Can you do an imitation of the Bears guys or no? Oh, no, no, no. I can't do an imitation of that. That, that takes talent, and I, I, I don't have that. <laughs> uh, all right. So so tell me this, Mike. Um, you know, when you when I see when you see gas prices go up, what happens in your industry? How does it affect your ability to hire, keep staff, what you have to charge? Walk us through what happens and what's happened in say the last three to six months. Well, yeah, let's start with you know uh, pre-pandemic we were short truck drivers and obviously we shut down uh, due to the pandemic. <laughs> to give you guys an example, JKC we haul food frozen, uh, refrigerated food to all the big box chains, restaurants, casinos, hotels. So when we closed down, we lost over 50% of our business. So uh, consumption wow. of, of fuel went away uh, and mm-hmm. started following drivers, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. But since the pandemic, it started, it only intensified the truck driver shortage. You know, to give you an example, 20 to 25% of all truck drivers across the spectrum, you know, currently are missing. You know, they're still not back to work. You know, and this, mm. this, this, everybody should be concerned about this because the driver shortage, it, it affects all of us. You know, the end user, mm-hmm. what happens, the end user pays more, which is us, the American people, you know, to give you an idea of the catalyst, you know, that are causing this, you know, skyrocketing costs, 
you know, fuel is going right. up, insurance is going up, labor is going up. JDC always paid above average uh, for labor, but when the pandemic hit, we increased our uh, pay five cents because our competition is increasing our pay. You know, on top of that, when we get to these warehouses where there's constantly labor shortages, they don't have enough people there. You know, you can't walk down the block and look at a window that says, you know, help wanted, help wanted. Uh, there is just not enough people working. So when we're delivering these, these food shipments, you know, something that would take four hours to deliver, sometimes taking 24 to 48 hours, which is slowing down the whole spectrum of, of, of the truck's you know, going back, you know, the, the, the furloughed employees is not helping and, and the stimulus checks is definitely not helping, you know, and, and all it's doing is raising the cost. The, uh, we're talking with Mike Kucharski and he and his company are in the trucking business and they're seeing the front lines here. And we, you know, we had on the radio program uh, a couple days ago, uh, Larry Elder, who used to be a radio host and now is running for uh, governor of, of uh, California. And I asked him what the first thing he's going to do when he gets in office. Actually, it was interesting. He said he was going to uh, address homelessness and the, and the problem of homelessness has got to be addressed. But he went on and he was talking about the burden of uh of regulation on uh, on business. I got to think in trucking. Now, I remember when when they said keeping the trucks on the road was essential services because we didn't run out of food, right? We didn't want to run out of food. And, and, but, and right. so there was a sort of fight to stay on the road. But there's a, and so they waived a lot of things, you know, the requirements for a certain number of hours and all these things. But uh, talk to me about the burden of the, uh, of the regulatory framework on trucking and how it's increased, you know, the contrast in, in if there is, if there's one obvious between Trump administration and Biden administration. So, yeah, since, you know, my father began trucking in 77 and since then the regulations have increased. Actually, we're constantly, you know, we're over-regulated in the trucking industry. The drivers are constantly you know, looking over their shoulder from state to state when they go in there because when these drivers are going through state to state, let's say we're going from Iowa to Nebraska and we get stopped and inspected in Iowa, we pull into Nebraska and they want to do another inspection. We say, hey, we just got inspected Iowa. They say, hey, welcome to Nebraska. We're going to inspect you again. And what they're doing is, you know, they're trying to get you to find some kind of violation to give you a ticket. Because, you know, the, the way these uh, governments see the trucking companies are a big, sli- a big ham and everybody wants to slice. You know, and it's, it, it's right. killing the regulation. It, it's killing, you know, none of these drivers, you know, they're scared. They don't want to deal with this no more. You know, it, it's not fun to, mm-hmm. no, uh, to them no more. You know, trucking is a lifestyle yeah. and, and it sucks when you have to be looking over your shoulder all the time. And uh, yeah, we're, we're over-regulated. To give you an example, the ELDs, you know, I supported the ELDs coming in, but since they implemented the ELD, they've changed the rules for the ELDs about two to three times for what? You know, because they were too, too rigid and they had to keep adjusting them. You know, the, the biggest problem is people that make these laws, you know, don't reach out to these businesses and, and, and see and ask them, hey, uh, truckers, what do you what are you guys struggling with? What do you guys need? You know, explain it to me. You know, the goal was to you know do the ELDs because it was supposed to save lives. In contrary, it's mm-hmm. causing more accidents. You know, people are drivers are, yeah. are, are are chasing the clock, and it's doing the complete opposite. Uh, again, we're talking with Mike Kucharski, and uh, he has run the family business, over 350 trucks out on the road. Um, so now, t- now just tell me straight up the gas prices. How fast, if you're driving a truck and gas prices are literally, you know, prices of, of fuel are literally going up like day to day, 
you can't, or can you? Can you pass that cost on to fast enough, or do you have to eat it for a few days and then bank on it? How do you, because it's got to be impacting not just the the projection of your company to figure out how to make the numbers work. Well, we're, we're passing. We we have to eat it a little bit. We we update it every weekly. Weekly we update it uh, every Monday, but we are passing that cost to the consumer because you know when when these costs. We have to cover these costs and, and make a little bit of a profit so we could stay in business. You know, if we can't pass these costs on, not that we want to, you know, trust me, it's, right. it's, it's breaking our hearts too. But we have to pass these costs on so we could stay another day in business until, you know, things, things you know, one day get back to normal if, if they ever do. Well, and that's one thing I want to ask you. As a businessman now, and you mentioned your family's got this experience for you know three or four decades, how do you try to manage the future? I mean, a business is actually, a lot of what they're doing is looking towards the future, figuring it out. Right now, you know, one week it seems like we're exiting the pandemic and returning to normal. The next week we're talking about shutdowns and clampdowns and shifts. I mean, how hard is it? Now, you guys have a sort of track record, so you've got you know, a 40 plus years in the, you know, in the tank, as we say, to, to try to hold, you know, know how you're going to hold on. A lot of smaller businesses get knocked on their heels in the first six months and they're no longer in business. How, how do you, how do you guys um, manage this? What are you feeling like right now? Uh, it, it's a very, it's a very stressful business to be in right now. I thought the worst year in trucking was in 2008 when the market crashed, but this by far is, is, is worse. You know, they said, hey, listen, guys, 20, 2020 is going to be a bad year. We're going to shut down. 2021 is going to be a better year. You know, here comes 2021, and, you know, they barely started opening things. I wouldn't call it a, a better year. You know, it, it's, hard to, it's hard to look into the future and, and, and see what's going to happen. You know, one thing I do know what's going to have to happen is that the, if we do have another pandemic, these warehouses and these people that run these distribution companies need to have more of a safety stuff. You know, we saw what happened when, when the people went, ran to Costco and bought out, you know, all the toilet paper when, when the pandemic hit, you know, they, they were overbuying and they were throwing stuff out. And, and, you know, Costco and all these warehouses, their safety stock is, is, is razor thin. You know, nobody wants to keep any stock because it costs money. That was the model, right? No stock, save money. And mm-hmm. you know, one of the things they have to change is, you know, we can't get the food fast enough. Every day I have phone calls and I have to say no to business because not that I want to, I, just, I don't have enough to labor, you know, to, to move all this product. You know, it, it just, it's just mm-hmm. crazy. It, mm-hmm. It's, um, how's this? I, I take it, you know, I always uh, thought that it couldn't get any worse. And I was saying that in 2020 and here came 2021. So I can't give a prediction, you know, uh, if, How's this? I want to say 2022 should be better if there's not going to be no more shutdowns and we continue to go in this way. And obviously, they, they you know, they get all, everybody, we need all the workers to come back. You know, we need all hands on deck. You know, the, the government's got to stop paying these stimulus checks. I believe they said they're not going to stop paying them until September. You know, we need these workers back. You know, we're, we're digging right. ourselves out of this COVID hole here, right mm-hmm. around the corner. Here comes the holidays. It's another big push. You know, it's going to be. It's going to be a hard year, you know what I mean? And it's, it's yeah. all the American people, you know, paying more at the pump and now you're paying more at the, at the grocery store if you can even buy what you want. 
Right, right. Well, uh, thank you uh, again, Mike Kaczorski. You've seen him probably on Newsmax. He was on uh, recently. He also is, of course, running a business, JKC Trucking, with uh, over 350 uh, trucks out there. And uh, thanks for your insight. And I appreciate you getting out there with your voice out there. It's it's always kind of risky in these modern times to get out there and say the truth because somebody wants to, if they disagree politically, they start to chirp. It's uh, probably a good sign of Chicago uh, toughness that you're out there doing it. We appreciate it. So thanks, Mike. And thank you for your support. Thank you so much. All right. We'll take a break, everybody. We'll put this up on social media and a link to Mike's appearance on Newsmax. Ed Martin here in the Pro-America Report. Be back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. Mrs. Schlafly was a courageous and articulate voice for traditional values and common sense for more than 70 years. And now from the archives of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, here is Phyllis Schlafly. President Obama's Father's Day speech included one very important sentence. We should reform our child support laws to get more men working and engaged with their children. That was an excellent statement, because child support laws indeed are urgently in need of reform. Many fathers work long hours and make incredible sacrifices for their families. However, child support payments from divorced fathers are based on the ridiculous notion that a father will make those same sacrifices for an ex-wife who is living with her new husband or boyfriend and for children he never or seldom sees. Many fathers would happily do more to support their children if they got to see their kids more often and are more engaged in their lives. But current child support laws have reverse incentives. The more the mother prevents such contact, the more child support she receives. Child support is not even really child support because the mother has no obligation to spend the money on the kids. And the faithful payment of child support by the father does not buy him time with his kids. The purpose of child support is to allow the mother to maintain a standard of living comparable to the father. A so-called no-fault divorce is often followed by a bitter child custody dispute with bogus allegations of domestic violence or child abuse, and the winner can get a huge child support windfall. Usually, the family court judge cannot tell who is telling the truth. No parent should collect money for denying kids the opportunity to see the other parent. But a family court judge can ignore current income or lack thereof and instead calculate child support on past income or on imputed future income. Reform of child support should eliminate all bad incentives in the current system that prevent good fathers from being engaged with their own children. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. The traditional family is the building block of our communities and country. That's why it's imperative to support strong marriages, respect fathers, and champion stay-at-home moms. At phyllisschlafly.com, we oppose the liberal attempt to redefine the family. To join us, visit phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening, and join us again next time for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Now, let's take it international, the Pro-America Report, for just one moment. I would like to remind you all, and I would like to encourage you uh, to think in the future with me. Because what you hear today, 
And uh, by the way, let me highlight something. What I said with you yesterday on this program, I think might be in this segment, the last segment of the show, was I said that Scott Brown, let me, and let me get the facts a little clearer. I was talking a little bit off the cuff yesterday. Scott Brown was a Massachusetts state senator. senator. And in a 2009, December, Ted Kennedy, the famous Massachusetts Democrat senator, he died. And S- state senator Scott Brown, Republican, was nominated by his party and the Attorney General of uh, Massachusetts, Martha Oakley, uh, Coakley, excuse me, Martha Coakley was nominated for Democrats, setting up this battle where you say, well, Massachusetts, it's a, it's a Democrat city, excuse me, state. It's got Boston. It's a total Democrat stronghold. It's, you know, Ted Kennedy's seat's going to be replaced. And lo and behold, on February 4th, just a little bit over a year after Obama had been in office, Obama had done the stimulus, which was a giveaway to the unions. He had, he had clearly shown he was dividing, you know, the, the bailouts had happened and he'd continued them. And so here we are. It was the first chance for Americans to vote against the Obama agenda, February 4th, 2010. And they voted in a Republican state senator with very little money compared to the attorney general of Massachusetts, the Democrat Martha Coakley. And Scott Brown won, thereby putting a frenzy into the U.S. House and uh, U.S. House and Senate because they had to jam through Obamacare because it really was clear Obamacare was on the ballot. Now, all that is to say, I noticed that I put that up on Twitter yesterday, and I noticed today people are talking about how Gavin Newsom and the recall is the Scott Brown moment for the Biden administration. First chance for the people to vote, first chance for the Americans to make their voices heard, and that's why Larry Elder is win- right now is leading in the polls, and the recall appears to have a good chance of passing, You know, having dropping a footnote here to say, except you can expect the uh, powers that be will cheat if they have to, so we'll see. But my reason to tell you all that is just work with me, and when you hear me say something, realize I'm usually three to six months, sometimes a year ahead of the rest of the world and the rest of the country, and that's what I do for you. So about three years ago, you may recall, I brought Dominic Tarzinski to the United States from Poland. He was a little known member of the lower house of the Polish National Parliament. He came over, he's a great guy. He speaks English well because he lived in England for a few years when he was in his 20s. And he went back to Poland, he was elected to the European Parliament. He's the leading face of the effort for Europe, Europeans to say to the EU in Brussels, what are you doing on immigration? What are you doing on migration? And he's famous and he texts me all the time because I can see these people ahead of time. Also, two and a half years ago, the ambassador from Hungary to the United States is a gentleman I met at one time, I met him one time, and I said to him, you should come and speak at our Eagle events. And he came and spoke, we struck up a friendship, We've been very friendly. I've now met in Europe with the minister of the family from Hungary. I've uh, hosted her when she came to the United States. Her name is Novak, uh, Kathleen Novak. She's been on this program. The ambassador to the United States from Hungary, his name is Dr. Laszlo Szabo. He actually was recalled back to be the head of all the media, the sort of public broadcasting wing of Hungary and one of the leading uh, people in that government. All that to say, we were onto the Hungarian movement to, be, to do what I would say smart politics and policy, pro-family, pro-life, pro-growth uh, a couple years ago. And now, I don't know if you noticed, the last few days, Tucker Carlson broadcasting from Hungary, people talking about what's happening in Hungary, saying, wait, how, what are they doing here? They've got policies that are dramatically pro-family. If you have more than two children, you don't pay taxes. Imagine that. If you have more than two children, you don't pay taxes. It's not, it's a little being a little bit simplified. There's others, you do pay a little bit, but the policies are very pro-family, very pro-life and the rest of the world is catching on to Hungary and good for them and good for Hungary. They've got a lot of important things to teach us. But for you, 
you should say, hey, what's Ed talking about right now? And it's going to become in the news coming forward. Is it a coincidence? Maybe, maybe, but it seems to happen a lot to me. So uh, that's why I would encourage you. And it's great. I'm glad I'm glad Tucker Carlson did that. So, all right, we got to run, everybody. I want to say thank you, as usual, to our great Anoa, the producer of this program, for all that he does, and also Joanna Book and our guests. And uh, thank you for listening. Go to ProAmericaReport.com. Check in on all these interviews. Sign up for the daily email, The Wink. And I'll be back tomorrow. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Talk to you then. This is the Pro America Report on The Answer San Diego.